Let's take our Bibles and turn over to the book of John tonight. John chapter 20. John chapter 20 tonight. The eve after the election. There's not a baby in the world that could care less about the outcome. And aren't we just God's babies? We ought to be just as relaxed and just as happy as we were because we've got Jesus Christ and the Lord God our Father. And just like that little child, we ought to be saying, praise the Lord, God's good, and uh, do all we can to be salt and light. Hold back the wrath of God on our nation. Salt and light. Well, that has nothing to do with the message. But anyway, I just want you to know that I'm going to sleep fine tonight. I'm not going to worry in the least. And I'm just going to go ahead and let God have control and do all I can from this pulpit and in my own life to be a light and to somehow convince others that they need Christ in their life. And uh, hopefully as they get Christ in their life, they'll understand the need for some things that are necessary in our world and our nation. All right, John chapter 20. Let's begin in verse 19. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. The Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he shewed unto them his hands and his side, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. See, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first time. And his doubts seemed to consume his mind and his thoughts. Those eight days upon hearing that the Lord had showed up, he continued to say in his own heart, that can't be the case. He's dead. I know he's dead. I watched them bury him. He's dead. I'll not believe. And yet eight days later, Jesus Christ shows up. 
Now he comes face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And before he can even express his doubts, the Lord extends a challenge. In John 20, verse 27, the Bible says, Then say thee to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. The outcome, of course, was that Thomas cries out, My Lord and my God. This man's doubts, like stone, were so strong before this particular encounter. But now they're seen crumbling. See, the need of mankind in every circumstance, in every situation, is to reach out to the Lord. The psalmist expresses this reality in his life in the book of Psalm chapter 143, verse 6, when the Bible says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee, my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. He's reaching out to the Lord God Almighty. Again, I've heard a number of people tell me how they're just waiting for God to do something in their life and Once he does that in their life, then they're going to respond. I'll stop drinking alcohol and booze when God removes that desire from my heart. I'll quit drugs when he delivers me from it. I'll refrain from immorality when God removes that desire and those lusts from my inner being. Oh, I want to do right, but God hasn't delivered me yet, preacher. I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting for God to do it in my life. I'm waiting for God to give me a handout instead of me reaching out. See, God wanted Thomas to believe. But he didn't put faith in his head. He gave him a challenge. Reach hither. God's not going to force faith on you. He's not going to force faith on me. He won't make me believe and He won't make you believe. He doesn't operate that way. He's not going to make you trust and depend upon Him. He won't make me trust and depend upon Him. But He will, however, and does extend an opportunity of faith to each and every one of us. But we must reach out and depend on Him. See, God, again, will not force His will or Himself on anyone. And I want to share three times when we need to reach out to the Lord. Three times we need to reach out to the Lord. Now, again, I'm sure we could come up with a number of others. But then again, you would like to go home. So three times when we need to reach out to the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father... Tonight, help us, Lord, in these next few moments. Lord, literally, these next minutes, may they truly encourage us, exhort us, and even enable us, Lord, to stand firm for you. May we always reach out to you. May we always allow ourselves to, 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 to seek you out, to search you out, and to reach out unto thee. Lord, help us tonight. Fill me with your spirit. May I be your mouthpiece. O God of heaven. I cannot, nor can I ever be a blessing to your people except you 
speak in and through me. But Lord, I've reached out to you, and I ask now, Lord, that you would enable me, Father, to be a blessing. And may your Holy Spirit, as he reaches out, challenging each and every one of our lives, may we in turn reach out to you. Bless us now, Father, and may we be different for having come. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Number one, we need to reach out, reach out when you are faithless. Reach out when you are faithless. If you're unsaved or you're lost today, you need to reach out to Christ. Now again, I know, you say, well, we, we know all that. Okay, we've got plenty for you yet. But just for the, just, just go ahead and humor me for a minute. But I think a lot of times we fail to understand the real relationship between saving faith and living faith. You know, we almost divide them up to the point where we say, I can have saving faith, but I don't need living faith. Somehow I can be saved uh, by faith and, and have enough faith to be saved, but I, I don't necessarily have to have enough faith to live for Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's a dangerous place to be and to live. To literally say that I have enough faith to save me, but I don't have enough faith to live for God. It really puts you in a very awkward place, in a very compromising position. As a matter of fact, I, I think I'd be on shaky ground. I'd feel like I was walking across a lake on a very thin sheet of ice, waiting to fall through. Because I'm going to tell you, the very faith that it takes to be saved is the kind of faith that it takes to live for God. And to say that I can't, nor will I live for Jesus Christ, but yet I'm definitely saved. You better really check out your heart and your life. Now, I don't think we have any problem with that here. But then again, maybe we do. I don't know. But I'm just saying that we need to be very careful. But if you're unsaved, you're lost, you need to reach out in faith. You need to reach out believing. And when you reach out, heaven will be within your grasp. John eight twenty four said, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Well, that's very clear. And yet the Bible goes on in John chapter 1, right off the bat in verse 12 to say, But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Again, the element, or should I say the the ideas, is that we're receiving him, we're reaching out, we're taking hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are unsaved or you are lost and in need of Christ, then you must reach out in faith. Even though you don't have the faith, you need to reach out to Him, the Lord Jesus. Just reach out. What what about, I think you need to reach out, not only if you're unsaved, but if you're unsure. You know, a lot of times I get the question, can you be saved and still doubt your salvation? Well, I believe the devil's in the doubting business. I think he would like to get people to doubt that. Again, like I've said a million times, I said, well, not a million, but I've said it a number of times. I'm... I'm I'm confident that the devil will try to get believers to doubt their salvation. I do not believe for a moment that the devil will tell you to get saved. So if you feel like you're being told to get saved, I promise you it's not the devil telling you to get saved. But you may be, find yourself be tempted to be feeling some doubt. The devil may be coming along and causing some doubt in your life. And if that's the case then I want you to understand, even as Thomas doubted, even the, 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 the actual 
I guess, prescription for Thomas's faith was to reach out. Yours is to reach out as well. You're to reach out into the Word of God. The Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You need to dig deeper into your Bible. You need to get more involved in the Word of God. You need to memorize Scripture. You need to really meditate upon it. You say, I'm struggling with my salvation. I have some doubts. I, I'm really confident when I review it in my mind that I'm saved, but it just seems that the devil's fighting me. Oh, there's no real open sin in my life, and my desire, my goal is to live for Christ, but there's this nagging doubt from time to time, and I don't know why I doubt that, because I have no reason to doubt it, except that it just feels like it's a spiritual warfare and a battle in my life. Well, let me tell you something. You fight it with the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Not only that, but the the church of God. I mean, we're talking about this place. How is it going to help your faith? How is it going to help your confidence to miss God's house? To miss God's services? To miss God's messages? How's that help? It doesn't help, does it? Now, we need to be reassured on a regular basis that salvation is by grace through faith, plus or minus nothing. It's not about what we do or the merit that we pose before God. We can't earn that favor. We only accept it. And so the reality is is that as we align ourselves with the Word of God and as we, we allow ourselves to be a part of the house of God, our faith is increased. And we do that by reaching out. You have to reach out and pick up a Bible. You have to reach out and turn the key and drive to church. You have to reach out and open the door. You have to reach out and shake someone's hand when you're here. You understand what I'm saying? It takes some reaching. And unfortunately, we're asking God, God, do something. Take away these doubts. And he's saying, reach out. Reach out. Reach out to the Word of God. Reach out to the house of God. And I'm going to say this, reach out to the people of God. Reach out and take hold of their convictions. Their practices, their focus, and their priorities. You're a young Christian tonight. You know what you need to do. You need to latch on. And by the way, I hope older Christians will do this. I'm not just talking about just an age either. I'm talking about more mature in spiritual life. We need to reach out ourselves and grab hold of someone. But may I say that if you truly want the kind of faith that you long for, you want the kind of, of security that you desire, let me tell you, you need to reach out and grab hold of somebody that's been at it a while and has proven themselves faithful. I'm not talking about the guy that shows up periodically to church. I'm not talking about the one that says, I struggle with my Bible reading. I'm not talking about the one who says, well, I don't really, I don't really have a desire to reach people with the gospel. I'm talking about reaching out to somebody who is in their place every time the doors are open. I'm talking about reaching out to somebody who's in the Word of God on a regular basis, a consistent basis. And I'm talking about reaching out to somebody who says, man, souls are important to me. Serving Jesus Christ is more important than anything in my life. Man, you latch hold of someone like that, and all of a sudden, you go ahead and say, I want to do what you do. I want to say what you say. I want to think like you think. I want to practice my life like you practice your life. Okay, what is it you're doing? And then do what they do. 
Oh, I, I think the Holy Spirit ought to move people to, to... You know what you ought to just do? Is be quiet till you learn the reality of the Word of God and get a hold of a little Christian, young Christian, and say, you ought to live like me. Now, come to church, I'll see you Sunday night. Come to church, I'll see you Wednesday night. Well, I'm letting the Lord work in their life. No, you ought to step into someone's life and say, no, you need to tithe like I tithe. You need to give like I give the faith promise. You need to do like I do in my giving of my life, my time, my attitude, my talents. You need to involve yourself in discipleship. You need to learn the Bible. You need to memorize some scripture. You need to come to the the men's meetings. You need to go to the men's conference. Let's go. Come on now. Follow me. We're waiting for Jesus to do something we ought to be reaching out. Not only when we're unsaved or maybe unsure, but when we're unsettled. You ever have a circumstance or situation just upsets your life, your spirit? It shakes your faith a little bit. You know when you see that mature brother or sister fall? Did you hear what I said? Do you know what? I, I, I made up my mind a long time ago. I don't care what any of you do. I'm going to do what I got to do. I made my mind up a long time ago before I ever stood behind this pulpit, before I was ever a preacher. There wasn't going to be one preacher in the world, good or bad, that would keep me out of God's house. I wouldn't let one person in the pew keep me from the church God put me in. I made my mind up. And I said, God, give me the grace now to follow through with that because I think and have little doubt that it's very scriptural. See, God did. God put me where he put me. You didn't. Nobody did. God did. And God puts you where you're at. You say, well, someone came to my door, knocked on it and brought. Yeah, I know. God placed them there. You are here with a purpose. It is God's divine providence that you are here. And may I say, you shouldn't let anybody in this house or this church or this family kick you out. Including me. Well, I didn't like what you said. So you're going to leave? You're going to let what I said get you out of the center of God's will for your life and your family? Well, that preacher sent me running. God didn't? Do you understand where I'm going? Man, I tell you what, you're going to get times in your life where you get a little unsettled. There's going to be phone calls you receive. There's going to be circumstances and situations in your life. There may be a job that you lose, and all of a sudden your faith starts to waver. It gets a little unsettled. You better reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ in those times. Before you react, before you respond, before you go half-cocked, reach out. It wasn't rest, but reach. It wasn't relax, but reach. It wasn't review the situation, but reach. It wasn't retreat, but reach. It wasn't realign yourself, but reach. It wasn't rediscover or reposition, but reach. It it even wasn't renovate or rehabilitate or relocate. No, it was simply reach. That's all Jesus said to him. Reach. Hither. 
Number two, not only do we see that we need to reach out when you're, we need to reach out when we're faithless, but number two, reach out when we're frightened. We're frightened. I love the passage in John chapter 14, verse 1, when the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You ever been afraid? Of course you've been afraid. Only a fool isn't afraid at times. You know what? You need to reach out when you're facing a giant. In Psalm chapter 27, the psalmist David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Psalm 56, 11, he says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. You know the story of David and Goliath. We need not spend time on it, but there he stands facing a giant. I don't know about you, but I'd have been a little bit concerned if that was me. I'd have really been concerned, even probably a little more so, if it was my young son or my daughter that was facing that giant. I'd be concerned if it was my wife. I would be concerned if it was anybody that I even cared about, because let's face it, a giant's not something or someone you want to mess with. But you know what? The reality is in our life, we're going to face some giants. That's just the way life is. And you know what? We need the giants in our life to help temper us and mold us into what God wants us to be. And so many times we're trying to figure out ways to avoid giants. And I'm not opposed to trying to, you know, you fly right and you fly straight and you obey God and you avoid a number of pitfalls and and self-inflicted weariness. However, man's going to have trouble, according to Job 5, 7, even as the sparks fly upward. Man is born into trouble, even. And what he's saying is, no matter how hard you try, trouble will find you, even if you don't find it. And you know what? Some of those troubles are big troubles, and some of them are just downright giants. What are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of tonight? I would, I'd venture to say if, if we would be able to sincerely poll every person in the room, there's something that you are afraid of. I, I don't think there's a person that isn't afraid of something. Now again, that will differ depending on the age and the gender and, and the, 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 the phase of life that you're in. But all of us could say that I would be afraid of this. A young boy may say, I'm afraid of a big guy picking on me. A young girl may say, I'm afraid of being hurt or, or, or the girls at school all ganging up on me and hurting me or doing something or, or maybe saying something bad about me on Facebook. I'm afraid of being made fun of or whatever it might be. You know, adults may say a number of other things. But we all have them. Are you afraid of witnessing? Is that a giant for you? Afraid of passing out a track, maybe? Afraid of taking a stand before your family and friends? Afraid of carrying your Bible to school or to work? 
Afraid of presenting yourself completely unto the Lord. Well, I couldn't give myself wholly to the Lord. I'm afraid of what He would demand of me. I may have to give up my present job in retirement. As we've well found out in our latest election, most people, I hope not Christians, although I'm concerned that this is the case, are more worried about their personal comfort and their present circumstance than they are about what really matters. I'm fearful that even as believers, the reason why we don't see men, young and old, surrendering to the ministry like we used to, is they're not willing to give up their present comforts. Oh, they want a good paying job. They want benefits. By the way, none of us are going to have anything before it's over with. Don't you get it yet? You might as well volunteer it over instead of have it just taken away. So he said, that's pretty negative. Remember, I'm trusting the Lord. (laughs) Afraid of being maybe transparent to your spouse. You're scared to death to let your wife really know how you feel. You're scared to death to let that husband know exactly what you're really thinking, ladies. Maybe you're afraid of saying no to your children. It's a giant. You're afraid they'll run off and do something really crazy if you'd say no to them here. You're afraid of giving a... Excuse me, you're afraid of giving as directed in Scripture. You're afraid of a situation or circumstance in your life. It's a giant for you. These things are giants in people's lives. It could be a number of other things, obviously. So when you're facing a giant, you need to reach out. Also, when you're fearful of what might happen. So what are you talking about? I believe tonight that we spend more time worrying about what might happen than, what, than worrying about things that really do happen. Because, see, the things that really happen are rarely, are rarely as bad as the things we dream up. And you know what, I've got scripture for you, and I'm going to help you tonight. In the book of Psalm, chapter 56, verse 3, the Bible says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Now, I ran into a character in the Bible. His name is Job. Job in the Bible lost, get this now, he lost his family. Seven sons, three daughters. He lost seven sons, three daughters, overnight. All at once. There's not one person in the room that's lost seven sons and three daughters in one night. Some of you have lost significant losses in your life. And some multiple significant losses. But no one has lost seven sons and three daughters in one night. Wait a second. Not only did he lose his family, he lost his fortune. Now again, take your Bible, look over Job real quick. I want you to see this. Because I'm going to show you something that's going to blow your mind. Oh, by the way, you you know where I found what I'm going to share with you? I found it while I was doing my personal devotions. 
I didn't find it studying for a message. Now, the reason I tell you that is this. You do not need your preacher to help you learn the whole Bible. You can learn things on your own. The Holy Spirit of God will use your consistency and your faithfulness in His Word to edify you and to encourage you. Your pastor will certainly be a blessing and exhort you according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he will enable you to be perfected because he is a gift to you according to Ephesians 4. But you have the responsibility of truly grasping and understanding and learning the Bible. Now, notice what it says here in the book of Job. Begin in, look at verse 1. First of uh, chapter 1, notice verse 2, just to reiterate what I was telling you so you don't think I was exaggerating the number of sons and daughters, but... There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. So right there we have the number. Now, he lost his family. Number two, he lost his fortune. Look at verse three. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. That's amazing, isn't it? That means what he's basically telling us is this. Because he lists it with his things, his possessions, he's saying he had as more than any man had. And yet notice, ultimately, that he loses all of it. He loses his possessions. All these things are being tore down, ripped up, shredded up. <laughs> then he loses his health. Job chapter 2, verse 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the side of his foot unto his crown. It's the top of his head. He probably was bald. You would never see the dome otherwise. The crown. <laughs> so he probably had a little spot like I do. All holy men do. <laughs> Job lost his family, he lost his fortune, and he lost his health. Now I want you to notice a really interesting verse. Look over in Job chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 25 now. This is amazing. <clears throat> Job says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Did you see that? He says, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Wow. You, you haven't got it yet. Some of you may have. Do you realize what was going on? Job is a, a, an upright man. He eschews evil. He's doing all the right things. And the Bible says that for his lifetime, he did certain things, wanting everything to be perfect, wanting everything to be in line. He thought about it. He dwelled on it. He, he worried even about bad things coming his way. He worried about losing his fortune. He worried about losing his family. He worried about losing his health. All the time, it bothered him. It was something that weighed heavy on his heart and on his mind. And he says, guess what? It didn't do any good to worry about it because it happened anyway. 
And so I spent all those years tormenting myself, worrying about what might happen, and it didn't keep it from happening anyway. So I might as well have not worried at all. You know, we spend so much time worrying that our kids are going to be hurt and harmed. You're like, if you're a parent, you're like me, you know, we... If we're not careful, we, we, we sit there, oh man, we've got to protect them every minute of the day. You can't protect your kid every minute of the day, and neither can I. I'm not saying we let them go out and play in the middle of the traffic. We use common sense, obviously, and we do our best to protect. But to worry about that serves no purpose, because in the end, Job said, I worried about it. I thought about it. I considered it. I took precautions. I prayed for my kids every day, and they still were taken. And so I'm not saying don't pray. And I'm not saying turn them over to God. We ought to. But in the end, I'm going to tell you, why worry about what might happen? Because the truth is it won't keep it from happening. And all we do is torment ourselves continually. We worry about, well, well, I, I might lose my job. Uh, uh, I, might, I might lose my house. Uh, I might lose my marriage. Uh, what if my wife cheats on me? What if my husband cheats on me? What? We worry about all these things. We totally and completely consume ourselves with fret, worry, and concern. And I'm going to be honest with you, in the long run, guess what? None of that's going to keep it from happening if that's what's going to happen. Now, I think you ought to be aware of things, and I think you ought to use some common sense. And, and if you see, uh, for some reason, the wife's unhappy, you ought to probably be going and talking to her and saying, Honey, it just seems you're not your same cheerful self. Is there anything that we need to discuss or talk about. I'm concerned about you. How can I help you today? It's not hard. It's simple. But to worry all the time, oh my gosh, we just got married, but I'm afraid she might eventually like somebody else. You know how many young couple men, how many men run around worried that their wives are going to cheat on them? Do you realize how, all you young men, you're so insecure, it's sickening. You drive your wives nuts. You don't want them to go anywhere. You don't want them to do anything. You're always, oh, oh, how are you dressing? Oh, you, you dressing for me? You dressing for somebody else? You know, it's ridiculous. She married you. Duh. That was the first mistake she made. You understand what I'm saying? And you run around acting like you can somehow prevent her from cheating on you. You couldn't if you wanted to. She's got a mind. She's not stupid. Are you kidding me? And the same thing, ladies. Some of you ladies are consumed with things. You worry about things that you can't control either. We all do this to some degree or another, but let me say, to some degree or another, everybody's not as crazy as some. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, we all think just because we're nuts about something, everybody's nuts about it. That's not true. It's not true at all. <clears throat> so be careful. Job says, I worried about this. I, I was concerned about it. It bothered me. It weighed heavy on me. I, 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 I tried to do everything I could to make sure that I never lost my family, my fortune, and my health. And I lost them all. Still happened. So how foolish was I to waste my time worrying about something I couldn't control to begin with? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Finally, number three. <clears throat> we found, first of all, we're to reach out when we're fear, faithless, when we're frightened, and finally when we're falling. When we're falling. When you start to slip, you need to reach out. When you start to slip, you need to reach out. I, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I, I don't mean to draw attention or, or, or cause anybody any uh, um, embarrassment, but it, some of you know Ben Warner, don't you? Well, Ben Warner, while he was overseas in the military, had his hands in a pocket one day, was walking along, and he fell. His hands were in his pocket. He fell. Did I tell you his hands were in his pocket? If you'd have saw his face, you'd have realized his hands were in his pocket. You know where I'm going with this now. Now listen to me, that's why kids don't run down the parking lot down that hill with your hands in your pockets. You'll look like Ben Warner. And when he fell... <laughs> don't 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 put that on Facebook, all right? <clears throat> now listen. When you start to slip and you start to fall, you need to reach out. Now again, you don't in our case we're talking about reaching out and breaking our fall, but you need to reach out. You need to reach out to the Lord. And you need to be aware of your, your spirituality. You need to be aware of where you're at in your life. And you need to understand when you're slipping. <clears throat> I like what the Bible says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, come unto me. <clears throat> Reach out. See, everybody needs help at one time or another in their life. Everybody does. You know, they, they, this whole idea, you know... Uh, self-made men and women. You know, we're not self-made. No one's self-made. You know, we're all a byproduct of our culture, our environment, our upbringing, those that have invested in us. Obviously, most importantly, of the, 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 the recreation work that Christ did in our heart and our life. <clears throat> Everybody needs help at one time or another in their life. Unfortunately... Not as many are willing to do something themselves to get it. See, most want others to do everything for them. Now, that's just a reality today in our world. And once again, that is evident by the election last night. I'm sorry, but that's just a reality. People want someone else to do for them. Christians are no different in most cases. Most Christians, spiritually, if you will, and even sometimes otherwise, have hands out. They won't reach out to God, but they're going to have a hand out to God. God, you have to fix this. God, you have to. And he says, yeah, I know, but remember what I said in my word? I know, but, but you have to do it. Well, what, are you doing what I told you to do? Well, I... Um, he, uh. 
See, to reach out is to do something. Now, again, I, I know, I know, I know. Somebody is super spiritual in here. And they're saying to themselves, that preacher's really off tonight because it's about what God does. It has nothing to do with us. He, it's all his grace. I, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. But go ahead, don't work and see if you eat. Now, maybe in America you can. But that's not how God's economy is supposed to work. You don't eat if you don't work. If you're capable of working and you're not working, you should go hungry. That's what the Bible teaches. You know, God's pretty harsh. No, God just understands how things really work. See, He knows what's best for you and me. He knows we need some motivation. He knows that if I don't have to work as a man, I'll sit at home and be lazy and do nothing because it's my nature to be lazy and do nothing. And don't think for a minute yours isn't. If you had everything handed to you and given to you and a silver spoon in your mouth, more than likely you'd be a lazy good-for-nothing too. But when you know you have to work in order to have something, you work. And God says, I want everyone to work if they want to eat. You don't want to eat, don't work then. Now listen, I can sit all day and say, God, feed me. God, feed me. God, feed me. Both physically and spiritually, I can do that. But God's under no obligation to feed me because he's the one that told me to go out and get a job and work if I want to eat. And secondly, he's the one that told me to get into the, the word of God and to dig and to eat of the bread of life. So we've got to reach out. When you slip, when you're falling, when you're moving away from the Lord, you need to reach out. I, I, I've told the story before, but when I was up in, in Ash, uh, what was it, uh, Ashland, North, Asheville, North Carolina, I was in a little, little river. It was a real sh- kind of from here to about where the girls are sitting there wide. It wasn't very wide, but man, I mean to tell you, they'd had a big rain and, and uh, there had been a lot of snow that had melted off. And you know how it goes, you know, they always got those little, I mean, just a rushing river. I mean, it was rushing. And me and my friend decided to get in it and just kind of have fun, you know, and, and it was freezing water, real cold mountain water. We got in there and, 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 and for whatever, you know, those rocks get kind of slippery in there. And I remember standing in that little, that, that, in that, that kind of a crevice in there, and the water was racing by me, and, and I decided to try to cross the river. I got into the middle of that river, and I realized something. That water's rushing pretty heavy and pretty hard. Before I knew it, my foot slipped. Down under I went. Man, I mean, I was just kind of being carried away in the, 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 the tide of it or the torrent of it. I was just being pushed down that little river, and, and I felt myself banging into rocks, and I was flipping around and upside down. I couldn't get my bearing whatsoever. I didn't know which way was up, but man, I was getting beat to death. I put my hands in a ball, my feet in a fetus position, and I just took it like a man. No way. No way. Man, I was reaching out everywhere trying to grab anything I could. I had fallen. I had slipped. And I was being tossed to and fro. I was reaching out to grab anything for dear life. I couldn't breathe. I honestly at one point thought, I'm going to die. I did. And all of a sudden, my hand and arm caught a rock, a boulder, just the right way that I was able to stop my my momentum, and then I eventually grabbed hold and I kind of pulled myself up and caught a breath. 
I regained my footing and made my way, I mean only two or three feet, mind you. It wasn't like I was out in the middle of the ocean. Two or three feet to where I could get my feet and my head above water now. I had to reach out. I had slipped. I had fallen. I had to reach out. You know what? <clears throat> Are you slipping in your quiet time? You slipping in your prayer life, maybe? Say, so, well, I still come to church. I no, no, I'm, I'm telling you. You need to really be careful. You, you, you don't have to fall off a cliff to end up off the deep end. It's subtle. Are you slipping in your quiet time? Are you slipping in your prayer life? Are you slipping in your Bible reading? Are you slipping with your tongue? You never used to have a problem with your tongue once you got saved and things were going well and you were in your Bible, but for some reason you're starting to slip a little bit. That's... That's, if I can coin a phrase from an old show, Danger, Will Robinson! Danger, Will Robinson! That was a robot, if you don't know. <clears throat> and that's, that is exactly what you ought to think in your mind right now. You ought to hear that big, round, rotund Robot going, danger! If you're slipping in any of those areas. Let me ask you, are you slipping in your mind? Are you slipping away from the Lord and His will for your life? Because see, when you slip from those little things, trust me, you've started to slip away from those as well. Are you slipping away from those standards that protect you from that major fall in your life? Oh, it's not that big a deal anymore. Oh, that's, those songs aren't that bad now. I, I used to never listen to music like that, but they're not that bad. It's okay. Oh, I never used to dress like that, or I never thought that was appropriate, but it's not so bad now. I mean, look at the direction the world's gone. I'm still well away from the world. I'm going to preach a message uh, here in the near future, and I'm going to talk about how that really works and how we're trying to stay away from the world. But I'm going to express to you a little bit more and give you a little bit more insight I, I think that's a dangerous idea, a dangerous thought. Because you can be separated from the present world and still be worldly. And we're going to talk about that one day. I don't know when yet. <clears throat> we're almost done. We really are. Are you slipping in your attitude Toward the Word of God. Do you really count this book a treasure? Or has that changed over the last months, weeks, or even years? Are you falling away from God tonight? If you're not drawn closer to Him, you are falling away from Him. There's no neutral in the Christian life. And so, we need to reach out when we 
slip or when we fall. Even the slightest, when you say, Lord, I just feel like I'm slipping. I, 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 I don't understand it. I can't put my finger on it yet. I'm still reading my Bible, but it's not like it used to be. And you may have to say that about once a week. Once a month, maybe. Maybe even every day, certain times and periods and seasons of your life. Do not allow yourself to think that it becomes normal to feel that way. That's not normal for a believer. That's a sign of falling or slipping. Don't let yourself think it's normal. Reach out when you're faithless. Reach out when you're fearful. Reach out when you're falling. Jesus told Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Will you and I reach out to God tonight? Or will we leave this place faithless? Will we live in fear? Will we ultimately lose by falling? God help us to reach out unto God. Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you again for just the simple, simple truths of your word. And